Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Tuesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, and I've got Tom Peavy and Brooks Childress here with me today. And a lot to talk about on the show today. We'll have some breaking news to tell you about that was happening in the 1 o'clock hour, some stuff coming out of Tuscaloosa today that needs to be talked about, and I'm sure a lot of you might have your thoughts and joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line today at 4.30, Justin Ferguson uh, of the Auburn Observer will talk all things Auburn basketball. Again, as Auburn starts to turn the page from Nashville on Saturday and looks forward to Ole Miss inside of Neville Arena, the next-to-last home game of the year for the Tigers coming up on Wednesday night. So we'll talk to Ferg at 4.30. Birthdays in sports, nightly TV guide as always, and then a lot of different uh, stuff rule changes on all these different sports seems like that's becoming a, a big thing right now proposed rule changes in college football that we did not hit on yesterday uh, we could talk about some new college baseball rules some new major league baseball rules a lot of rules uh, to talk about uh, at some point in the coming week or two here uh, so a lot of different things to talk about again ryan brooks and tom on the show today and again we will hit up the big news uh from tuscaloosa in just a minute or two but first tom how are you doing today sir uh, i'm doing great uh, had a early morning running around and went back home and got some sleep and uh yeah just been trying to kind of keep track of a little bit of everything that's going on and, uh yeah that's about it and then uh, Brooks, what do you what have you had uh, on the docket today? Hey, I think I have a feeling of what you've done pretty much today. I've seen you most of today, but uh, yeah, you, has I it mean, been a good one in your estimation? Yeah, happy Mardi Gras! It's Mardi Gras in <clears throat> the, oh, yeah, the homeland down in Mobile, uh, Baldwin County area. Also, uh, you know the the people that think they created it but didn't because Mobile actually did it. New Orleans. Um, <laughs> it's it's a fun day i've had the uh i don't have it on my computer right now but most of the day i've had the uh, live stream going for the mobile mardi gras on my computer and so i've been checking in with that down there it's a fun day um auburn basketball getting ready for a big one tomorrow night going for the season sweep against Ole miss trying to improve their uh, resume going toward march get off that bubble back solidly into the field um Auburn baseball back in action tonight. Can't look forward to uh, checking out some baseball this uh, tonight as they take on North Alabama up there. And uh, yeah, can't wait to talk to all of our callers. It is a it's a great Tuesday here on the plains. Well, it is a great Tuesday here on the plains. A uh, another unseasonably warm day. I've got a friend uh, that's going to the beach right now for a work conference. And that is probably the most fortunate time that there's ever been a work conference at the beach in February, given that it's going to be 80 degrees all week there. Uh, you know, 60 and windy on the on the beach is not something that 
uh, I would really uh, covet too much, but just so happened that you're going to have one of the hottest weeks on record in the month of February in Alabama. So uh, it is going to be beautiful time there. We've got to talk about and lead off with a story that's a little bit different than what we usually lead off with. We're usually leading off with something Auburn-related, and lately it has been a lot of Auburn basketball. This time we're going to lead off, though, uh, with something that is Alabama basketball-related. Uh, and if you are just tuning in, if you are just now uh, kind of departing from whatever you've been doing earlier today and you don't know the news, uh, there has been some AL.com reporting today uh, more on the shooting that killed a, a young woman in Tuscaloosa a few weeks back. Of course, Darius Miles was involved in that, then kicked off the Alabama basketball team. And there's new details on an involvement between, uh, with Brandon Miller, of course, the star forward for the University of Alabama, projected top five draft pick. We all know how good he has been for the tie this year. AL.com has reported through police testimony that Miller is, Miller's gun is the gun used in the shooting uh, that, again, killed one, one woman, uh, that uh, he was asked to bring the gun to the strip in Tuscaloosa uh, around 1 or 2 in the morning is when that occurred. He brought the gun. Uh, it was used. His vehicle was there. His vehicle also took took part in a some sort of blockade, uh, uh, which uh, prevented the the vehicle of the victim to get away. Uh, and now uh, Nate Oates was asked about it today. His thoughts are another aspect of this, and what uh, how he kind of brushed it off. But again, to kind of summarize things, Brandon Miller did have some sort of involvement here. Uh, in this in this shooting from a few weeks ago, uh, again his gun used. He obviously did not pull the trigger, but uh, he, he was there, uh, and his gun was used. So a couple key points. He also again provided some sort of a blockage there. Uh, very disappointing details, and and the national media certainly grabbing hold of this. And uh, there's a lot to digest here about uh, his involvement, what that could mean for him legally, for the team, what it should mean, because what should and what will happen could be two very different things. And then also what Nate Oates has said about it, which is going to, again, raise eyebrows for a negative reason as well. Uh, yeah. And so, all right. So my first thing uh, on the player aspect of it is dumb. Dumb, damn it, dumb. Um, you know, and and especially I I don't know about Darius Miles. I, you know, he was a bench guy. I don't know how much of a further future he had uh, in basketball, but uh, still a dumb move on his part. I mean, obviously he just killed a he killed a mother. Uh, you know, and and for whatever reasons may have went down that night. I I don't know, but that you know he pulled the trigger or was part of somehow that the trigger got pulled and killed this this lady yeah, he and someone else i forget the name of that was not on the team were the two yeah question in that regard i thought that they had said it was the other guy but miles was it was his girlfriend and right. i believe in and his well and obviously he called to bring the gun right so uh Darius Miles calls Brandon Miller to bring him the gun that was used to kill uh Jamia Harris. Uh, if you're Brandon Miller and somebody calls you and goes, "Hey, 
you know, hey, man, I, you know, bring gun out here to the strip. You know, we got something to take care of or something. Uh, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> How about no? I I mean, I, I'm I'm possibly going to be a lottery pick in the NBA. I'm one of the I'm one of the best players in college basketball right now. Probably going to be a lottery pick, making millions and millions of dollars. And you want me to bring you a daggum gun to the strip? Uh, no. But unfortunately, kids these days don't think that way. And and from what it sounded like is he got that text and he took a gun. To Darius and Darius used said gun to kill kill a lady, and so just uh, no, that's the, you know there there's no uh, there there's no reasoning for that. There's no positivity reasoning of that. No justification. No justification of that. Uh, no, and then Nate Oates is going to make it worse. He's asked about it today, and his comment is that. Brandon was in the wrong place at the wrong time. We've known about this, but it's you know, but it's not really a big deal. He's just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Coach, he brought a daggum gun that got used in a murder. That's not wrong place at the wrong, wrong place at the wrong time. You, you brought a gun to the strip. They, there was, what did you think they were going to do? Take it apart, clean it, and look at it? No. At you, one in the morning. At one in the morning. You can't tell me that you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. You take a loaded gun to the crowded strip in Tuscaloosa, Alabama at 1 o'clock in the morning because your buddy called and said he needed it. No. So Nate Oates, and and thankfully Nate Oates is getting, he's he's getting his tail handed to him by by everybody that I've seen, at least on the Twitter sphere. I I haven't seen anybody coming to his defense. Um, The national media guys, are ripping him apart. Of course, all the Auburn fans I follow are ripping him apart. That, that's to be expected. But, uh, man, how, how do you just sit there and just blow that off? Like, oh, yeah, it's not a big deal. It's just wrong place at the wrong time. I, I, I mean, your, your best player took a gun that was used in – took a gun to a spot that was used in a murder. No big deal. So I mean, it, what, what, a, what an absolute – astonishing a-hole you have to be as a coach to allow that to happen well and and look we we always hate to uh, bring up this sort of subject subject that i'm about to uh, because it's one of those uncomfortable truths that we know it's true and then certain instances it's a little bit i don't want to say more okay but it but it is less frowned upon it's just more accepted uh but it begs the question, and I think we all know the answer to it, how different would this be if Brandon Miller was a five-point-a-game bench player right. and, and not the projected top-five pick and one of the best players in college basketball? Sure. Guarantee you he would have been gone. One, 100% would no longer be on that team. If, if Nate Oates knew that Brandon Miller took the gun to Darius Miles that was using that murder, Brandon Miller it would also be gone off that team. But – you got to protect your star guy, and you and you, you know, as your Nate Oates, you're you're not just protecting Brandon Miller; you're protecting your own butt, because this is that's the end of your season. You lose you lose Brandon Miller, your your season's in the dumps. Because I mean, they've got some good players, but I mean that that team goes through Brandon Miller, and so yeah, I mean you're you're looking after your own tail. Uh, I I understand you try to protect Brandon 
I get that part of it. But I think, as Nate Oates, I think you're looking after your own butt, too. Uh, by by not doing something, not saying anything about it. it. Apparently, I guess, he says we've known about it, but yet you have not offered that information up to anybody. Yeah, that was, that was not the uh, thing he thought it was when he was saying... Yeah. We, oh, we've known about it. That does not make you look better. No, that no, that makes you look worse that you have known all this time that you have let Brandon Miller keep playing on your team when you knew that he was the one that supplied the gun. That that again, that's again, that's the preventative measure, not as being preventative as a you know defending the human being involved here, but instead defending the basketball player involved here. Of oh, we've already known about this, so no punishment's going to be needed because we didn't feel like punishment was needed when we learned about it a, a few weeks ago. See, to me, that's what I, I get translated out of that. Brooks, what are some of your thoughts here on this situation? Well, you know, you, you read through the AL.com article, um, and it fe- it seems like, you know, the the assistant DA or deputy DA up in Tuscaloosa said that Miller can't be charged with anything. So legally, it feels like if that's the actual – if that's the quote, if, you know, that it, it feels like legally he's not going to be in trouble going forward. Now, does that mean he shouldn't be in trouble with basketball? No, that should not. I mean, if you've done something, we've seen players get suspended off of teams for for doing less than, much less than than this. Um, and it, you know, it, it does come down to. Uh, I, I also, you know, I'm kind of in agreement. I, I think it does come down to that. Brandon Miller is a number one, going to be you know a number one draft pick, uh, first round draft pick, lottery pick. And if this was, you know, guy down the bench, he was he'd probably be off the team. Um, yeah, you know, it, I I would not be shocked if now that there's so much backlash from what NATO said, if you see Brandon Miller get you know uh, get suspended for their upcoming game. Now their upcoming game is South Carolina, and Alabama without Brandon Miller should still win that game pretty handily. But it's you know it, it I. It's just it. It doesn't feel right. Um, like I said, it, it uh, reading the Yale dot com article. Uh, it it doesn't feel like he's going to be legally charged with anything, according to the the Tuscaloosa DA's office. But that doesn't take away what it means for uh, basketball wise. That you have to ask the question now uh, when it comes to Brandon Miller. Does he deserve to be on the basketball team? And then you you look at you know university it, it will does something need to be done with student conduct you know there's there's always the student conduct that goes into you know uh, incidents that happen with university students Auburn Alabama Georgia whatever school they're at does this have to need to go toward uh, the this conduct board now and ask do you deserve to still be a student here which would then again go back to do you still deserve to be on this basketball team. Yeah, there's a lot of questions to be asked, and I don't, you know, making predictions when a sporting event is one thing, it's much more harmless. Making projections of what's going to happen to his time at the university and and that sort of thing is a a little bit different, but again, Tom, I go back to you now, and I I know that uh, fire department, police department, still very different, but you still have... Uh, some connections there and that sort of thing. I don't know if you had any thoughts on, on what could happen to the legal aspect of this because, the as Brooks just alluded to, the DA comes out and, and at that time at least said that they couldn't really charge him with anything. But 
I mean, you, you have an instance where a, a gun is supplied in, in, a, in a murder. You also have an instance of, of some sort of uh, escalation of the situation or at least the allowance of the situation to occur, given that the that he did use his car to block the victim's car from getting away. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of, of the legal ramifications here, if there could, could still be some here down the road. Uh, I, I don't know uh, of legal ramifications. Uh, I was trying to look up some Alabama laws to see that, uh, and I, I'll just have to yield to the da there that says that there's not anything they can charge them with um so and, and i think the reason you could possibly have that uh, obviously I, I would either need i would need a, a an attorney or a judge here to clarify um i'm just reading this from the usa today story um uh okay so uh the uh the testified that uh that uh Darius Miles, who was the player, right. and Michael Lynn Davis, who was the guy that apparently pulled the trigger, they were in Miller's car. Uh, Miles uh, handed the gun over to Davis. So <laughs> Miller brought the gun, gave it to Miles. Miles then gave it to Davis, who then shot. So what you can view from that is that Miller brought the gun and didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know that he was getting himself caught up into this situation. And then this happened. And, and I'm sure that's what the investigators, uh, the investigators would have had to have talked to, to Brandon Miller about this. They would have had to gone in, sit down with investigators and done that whole thing to find out what his part of this was, because obviously it, it's his vehicle that was there and he brought the gun they're going to sit down with him and find out what kind of part of this he has. And, you know, because it was a, actually a third-person exchange, he can say and legally and have a legal recourse of, I didn't know what was going to happen. I handed, I, handed the, I handed the gun to my teammate, and all of a sudden he hands it off to this other guy who then goes and pulls the triggers. Like, I had no idea what was going to happen with that. That's kind of how that's going to go out. And so – I think that's why they're not going to charge him with anything. However, common sense tells you, again, like we talked about at the, at the opening, common sense tells you, and it's something that so many people these days are lacking, if somebody tells you to bring a loaded gun to the strip at 1 o'clock in the morning, that that's y'all aren't there just to look at the gun and, and you know, like I said, you're not going to take it apart and take it apart and see how the insides work. You were asked to bring a gun to the downtown strip at one o'clock in the morning. There's a reason for that. And common sense would tell you there's a reason for that. Me as a firearms owner, if somebody texts me at one o'clock in the morning, goes, Hey dude, I need you to bring your pistol down to tumor's corner. Come on. I mean, what? Yep, not going to happen. No, I mean, what? What else could I possibly imagine is going to happen if somebody texts me to bring my pistol with me at one o'clock in the morning to Tumor's Corner? That, that just that that's common sense. Um, unfortunately, you you don't get arrested in this country for lack of common sense. I mean, you can be the dumbest of dumb and have zero common sense but there's nothing illegal about that um you're just made to look like a complete fool 
because there are no criminal charges does not excuse what happened. Uh, no, absolutely not. And it well, and it sees and it seems like that's the justification for Nate Oates saying that everything's all fine and dandy with right. with his playing status and with the situation is oh he's not charged for anything. Well, I mean, not everything that uh, you know, not everything that is immoral is illegal. You know, and and not everything that uh, takes place that is should not happen is illegal. I can give you countless examples i'm not going to because i don't want to compare them to uh, some sort of assisted murder but but i mean look it, it is very much a uh, difficult situation it's a difficult look for everyone involved at alabama uh it might in some ways be even though we're talking in the brandon miller aspect of it a difficult situation in terms of the murder weapon and again a murder but th- for nate oates the the lack of um just awareness of the situation is probably an equally bad look because uh, dealing with a loss of life here, dealing with something that is still bigger than sports. And again, we understand as sports people, sports are a big deal. There are a lot of people's livelihoods at the end of the day, but also a livelihood is not more important than a life. And uh, that is seeming to get lost in translation with Nate Oates here. And it's going to be a story that's going to follow them. Look, I don't know if Miller will end up missing any games. I don't know if there will be anything levied ultimately from the university against Nate Oates. Uh, Some of these things I doubt will happen. But this is at minimum going to follow them the rest of this year. Uh, It's going to put a black cloud over what they're trying to accomplish. And it's going to put a a stain on a team that is having arguably their best season in the history of their program. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that is a um, all-around just rough situation. And I, I was able to find this, uh, and this is why Brandon Miller will not face charges because according to Section 13A2 uh, – excuse me – Section 13A-2-23 of the Alabama Criminal Code dealing with criminal liability based on behavior of another. So criminal liability, you're, li- you're liable before because of somebody else's actions. Intent is a key factor on whether a person can be charged with criminal conspiracy. Um, a person is legally accountable for the behavior of another constitu- uh, constituting a criminal offense if with the intent to promote or assist the commission of the offense. So there's no proof or evidence that Brandon Miller had the intent of, I'm going to take the gun there so that y'all can use it to kill this girl. If, right. if there was the intent and he knew that was what was going to happen, then he could be charged with conspiracy. But because he says, I didn't know what was going to happen, yes, that was a dumb A move on my part to take a gun down there at 1 o'clock in the morning. I should have known better. But I had no idea that the dude was going to take my gun, pass it off to another guy who was then going to go fire it into a car and kill somebody. So, And I think legally that will all hold up. However, sure. not to play courtroom here, or at least courtroom in public opinion, um, then why is he blocking the road? Why is he, why is he right. trying to it, but not see, well, let and, that victim well, and, get out of there? Yeah, and, and I don't know the – you know, I, I don't know how the cars were situated. Now, you know, did he – just park in front of the car or did he actually put a blockade in front of right. the car you know it sounded like he and one other car from what al.com described right. it as was a blockade so you know that i you know i don't know um 
I, I it, it, they haven't released any of the particulars on sure. that part, but as far as the gun, his gun being used, he he is free from charges because he can say that there was no intent that he didn't know that was going to happen. Now, that should not excuse Nate Oates from taking action. Uh, right. I don't think that should also. Uh, leave the University of Alabama from taking action. And there was another player, uh, there was another player that was there as well. Uh, you know, he hasn't really been brought up. Uh, Jaden Bradley, uh, I guess he was in the vehicle. Yeah, and, he was also there. Yeah, so Jaden Bradley. So you had three Alabama basketball players that were on the scene when this dude shot and killed this woman. I mean, it's that, a terrible that, situation. It is a terrible situation. You know, Nate Oates. Uh, he needs to he needs to accept that that's three of his guys that were involved in that and understand that there probably needs to be some repercussions aside from the one guy. Yeah, because he that guy didn't even pull the trigger either. Yep. Uh, yeah, wrong place, wrong time does not that, suffice no, in this situation, Nate. No, that's um, that's dumb way of no. It just does not. Uh, we'll see uh, as news continues to come out update you on it we'll see if any repercussions towards miller bradley or oates or anyone involved at the university of alabama we need to take our first time out of the show today when we come back we'll go to the auburn bank phone line for the first time today stay tuned more sports call after this Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan, Tom, and Brooks with you here. Full show today. Wednesday will not be. Auburn softball coming on airtime 545. So tomorrow will end about 515. Thursday, full show. And again, Friday, no show as a doubleheader for Auburn softball. And that is the February trend here. No Friday shows. It's going to be like the third or fourth straight week losing track. We will have a Friday show at some point in the future. It just we don't not, have to. <laughs> it well, it is not that we're declaring off season just because football is not around anymore. It's, it just uh, so happened Auburn softball's been our airways with doubleheaders. But uh, again, a little bit of shortened show tomorrow, uh, full show today and Thursday, and then no show on Friday. Let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today: three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free. One triple eight nine Tiger Nine. First up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, how are you doing? I'm good and War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. Well, I was just hearing uh, y'all comment on uh, one of the Alabama, on uh, one of the University of Alabama uh, basketball players, and if I'm saying his name right, I think it's uh, the the basketball player that was uh, involved in the shooting case. Yes, uh, well, Darius Miles, and then uh, we've been talking about Brandon Miller a lot today. Yes, because, I mean, I've been hearing a lot about this story over the weekend, 
and with uh, Miles. I mean, he, he was at the wrong he was at the wrong place at the wrong time, just like y'all said at the top of the hour. But I mean, and and, and with the coach being involved in that, I mean, there's so many there are so many um, strings to be pulled here. So I mean, there I mean they can charge him with capital murder, you know, because that I mean you you just killed an, an innocent bystander. Yeah, we want we want to make sure we get uh, everything straight now. Here, Nate Oates was the one that said uh, "wrong place, the wrong time." We were kind of uh, not a big fan of that comment, but um, yeah, uh, with with Miles, you know, he is alleged to not have pulled the trigger. He just handed the gun to the guy that did. I mean, I shouldn't say just; it's still a, a very big offense. Um, but uh, the the other guy again, Tom, if you remember the name of that other guy, not Darius Miles, not, that that actually pulled the trigger. Yeah, I um, his know, last name was Davis, maybe. He, yeah, Davis. That sounds right. He's going to be uh, he's going to be the one charged with some sort of a, a murder charge. I'm not sure which which degree or which count it is, but yeah, yeah. Because I mean, with with that, I mean, with the head coach of uh, the University of Alabama and Nate Oates. I, I I see the University of Alabama season, you know, with the men's basketball program, just like, you know, shutting the doors for good and, and probably, you know, you know, firing Nate Oates and, you know, after this season and then just try to, you know, hire somebody else, you know, just take him off of the of the coaching uh, staff at Alabama and, and probably hire somebody else as well. Yeah, there's going to be people out there in the media. I've seen a few uh, that are going to be calling for his job or some sort of suspension at least. And mm-hmm. I, I honestly don't know what will occur. Uh, I, I ultimately don't think he will lose his job. I, I, I just can't. I would be kind of shocked by that, honestly, the, the way things are going up there. But um, there could be some sort of punishment for him. And, and again, the, the noise around the program will be very loud here as they try to go through a tournament run. Yeah, because I've actually seen this uh, same, not this same incident, but with coaches, I've actually seen it in uh, in the Big Twelve. I mean, in the Big Ten with uh, Michigan head coach. Uh, you know, actually, you know, allegedly, you know, during a basketball game over the weekend, you know, he just came back from a from a suspension, and and now all of this is is really starting to you know make make more sense to the sports world as as things look a little bit different now and i think guns shouldn't be in any shape or form or way in anybody's hands for that matter if you don't know how to use a gun why do you have it you know a bullet doesn't have uh, a bullet doesn't have a name on it so why would people out here use guns i mean that's the wrong terminology to to give an innocent student on campus a gun you know they shouldn't have guns on campus period very rough situation uh for sure going on with uh with that in hindsight last couple weeks and uh everything involved there and uh we're just gonna be very interested to see what what kind of news comes out here in the next few weeks yes that's well and then um I'm, i'm gonna just leave that one alone until probably tomorrow or next week and um, you know, trying to figure something out what what's going to happen with with the University of Alabama basketball program, but I'm just you know trying to keep 
keep the sports train on a roll with the NFL uh, trade deadlines? And who who do you see? Uh, where do you see Lamar Jackson actually going to for his new home in the NFL this year? This coming up uh, off season for the NFL, that he is probably the biggest name. He and Aaron Rodgers are going to be the two biggest names that could end up changing teams this off season. I'm under the impression that the Ravens will ultimately franchise tag Lamar Jackson. Now, that doesn't mean he'll necessarily be a Raven, but it, but it means he's going to make a lot of money if he does play a one-year contract. There's a lot of things in play here. They could franchise tag him and still ultimately trade him. They could work out a long-term deal, although that just doesn't seem very likely in my opinion. I, I don't know. For right now, my, my educated guess is that they'll end up he'll end up playing one more year with the Ravens under the franchise tag, and then either a long-term deal gets worked out or he just leaves in free agency. But I, I think the Falcons are a team to watch. Uh, the, the, the Jets maybe just, just teams that need quarterbacks. Obviously, the Falcons run an offensive system that's pretty similar to the Ravens. That's why they've been linked to him a lot. They also have a lot of cap space. I think they've got second or third most cap space in the league. So if it's not the Ravens, it might be the Falcons. But, again, I think it will be maybe a franchise tag for Baltimore. Yeah, because if, if I see Baltimore keeping Lamar Jackson for another another year and then after that, year then he can go to Atlanta or the Jets or maybe Miami because with Suasonga Valoa actually, you know, being on the injury uh, on the protocol on the uh concussion protocol injury list, I I probably see Lamar Jackson actually playing in Miami as well because I know that's where he wants to play and that's where he's actually from in Miami as well. So that I think that would be a really good fit to see uh, Lamar Jackson in a Miami Dolphins uniform as well. Yeah, you never know two years down the line. That's something that has not been talked about for this offseason, but if the Dolphins go through another season of injuries from Tua or if his play declines and he's not very good, then they will be in need of a quarterback. They will need to kind of rebuild things there. So that be, could become an option in two years. I don't know what their cap situation would be like, but uh, you know, teams. Uh, if we do move this along a year, the teams that are in the mix could change. Yes, that's well. And then I've been hearing a lot about um, Patrick Mahomes actually trying to make it to a to another Super Bowl next year in 2024 in Las Vegas. And I would just have to say, with me watching. The Super Bowl that was this past Sunday, I would just have to say it's a hard no for me. I mean, give it to other teams that want to give it a chance at the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. I mean, it could be Green Bay. It could be Denver. It can be, uh, you know, the Carolina Panthers, the New Orleans Saints, the Cowboys. Um, you know, multiple teams that need to, you know, need to actually put their feet in 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 the Super Bowl uh history as well. Yeah, I mean there's there's no telling. I think that if you're looking for other AFC teams beside Kansas City, I think you're going to have to start that conversation with Cincinnati and Buffalo uh for mm-hmm. the immediate future which is with Joe Burrow and, and Josh Allen still waiting on the Chargers to find a way through with, with Justin Herbert. There's some really really good quarterbacks in the AFC. Uh, and so it's a very difficult league to get out of in the first place. I think Mahomes, when, you, when you're when you talking Kansas City, they're always going to have a chance when they have 
Patrick Mahomes, and we've seen that, and they've they've been the five straight AFC Championship games, and now three Super Bowls in five years, winning two. So they're they're going to be a part of the equation for years to come. But that also does not mean that just because they're in it does not mean that they'll ultimately go all the way just with the the, the sheer amount of talent there that that's also in the top two or three teams in the AFC. Yeah, because I mean with with the um, off season right now. I'm actually looking at like the Cowboys, probably like seeing the Cowboys actually making it in uh, 2024. I mean, 2023 when the season actually starts back up again, and uh, seeing where we're going to rebuild because I know we're we're actually having some uh, trade deadlines right now. That's what um, Mike McCarthy and uh, Jerry Jones is trying to do. So we're just trying to see what key pieces that we need to rebuild a uh, Cowboys roster as well because I would like to see my Cowboys actually make it this year to the Super Bowl as well. Yeah, the Cowboys still with that long dry spell there. Uh, were able to get a playoff victory this year obviously but then fell uh, to San Francisco and look I, I think the issue is is can Dak deliver uh, in these big games. I think Dak has proven to be competent at times. I think he's also had some rough outings and I think the team around him is really good. That's always been a good offensive line. They've got true stars on defense. I mean, Micah Parsons is, is just awesome. They've got a really good pass rush, uh, a few playmakers in the back end. So Dallas is in a good position, but they're still finding that they got to find that key ingredient that's going to put them over the top. Yes, as well. And then with my other team in uh, Texas, the uh, Arlington Renegades, I actually watched that game over the weekend and that was one of the that was like one one of the games that I really like, you know, because I'm a Renegades fan for Arlington and that was my first time ever seeing the Arlington Renegades win their first XFL um preseason opener as well and I'm I'm just waiting to see the Renegades actually make it to the XFL um playoffs as well. Yeah, I believe it was a regular season game that, that Arlington won. I, I did not catch much of the XFL, but did you notice some of the the rule changes that the XFL had with the kind of the different kickoffs and then the uh, the fourth and fifteen if you try to convert instead of an onside kick? Yes, I actually did see that. Um, I actually read on that um, during like the the season opener of the XFL, and I really like what the XFL has done over the over the span of time and uh, with the rule changes. I love the rule changes, and I, I think those rule changes, they should apply, you know, to, like, maybe the USFL and stuff like that as well. So I think I think this is um, a really good thing that the XFL is actually bringing a lot of those former NFL stars back to, to actually play once again as well. Yeah, they definitely got a few guys that, that used to play in the NFL. I, I don't know uh, if they had the, the best run of things in the NFL in some situations, but certainly some guys that we recognize from either NFL roster or from college. And I'm going to be interested to see once the USFL starts in April as this XFL continues, if, if they can if they can gain some momentum here. I like some of the things they're doing, but they didn't have big crowds from what I could tell over the weekend. and. Uh, just, just trying to see if one of these leagues can catch on and last for several years. James, did you enjoy yeah. seeing uh, former Cowboys quarterback Ben DiNucci play this weekend? 
Yes, I actually did uh, catch Ben DiNucci actually playing in that XFL because he was one of my favorite uh, Cowboy kickers on our roster, and he really did it. You know, I, I thought, you know, in my mind as a as a Cowboy fan, I, I should have said, you know, for Ben DiNucci, he should have stayed with the Cowboys roster because he, he was a really great, great kicker for us as well. Uh, yeah, I, I believe he uh, was playing quarterback in the XFL this weekend. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, certainly uh, very entertaining. Again, some of these guys were on these NFL rosters. And uh, also, one more question for you, James. We're going to have to let you go here in just a moment. But uh, did you enjoy the Daytona 500 on Sunday? I actually did uh, enjoy the Daytona 500. And then on top of that, I actually won um, the uh, the NASCAR Fantasy um, pick them race as well. So I actually picked, um, I actually picked a really good driver to win the Daytona 500. I think it was, uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. actually won for me as well. He did. So I'm very, yes, I'm very excited that, um, I've actually picked him and I'm going to just see how, how he would actually improve in, uh, in this weekend's race as well. Well, it's going to be hard to improve after winning uh, the biggest race of the year, but uh, that guarantees him a playoff spot unless there are more than 16 different winners this year. And uh, obviously NASCAR does a little bit differently than anything else. Their biggest race is at the beginning. There's a lot of wrecks there at the end, uh, but Ricky Stenhouse Jr. survived them. And, and good to see a little bit of a smaller team win one. Yes, that's all because um, at the very top of the um – of the Daytona 500, I actually saw um, the history of uh, 75 years of the Daytona 500, seeing so many great uh, memories over the years with that iconic track out there in, in Daytona Beach, Florida, seeing um, seeing the Hall of Fame uh, NASCAR uh, driver uh, Richard Petty and seeing him win uh, his first Daytona 500. And uh, I've seen... Uh, you know, uh, they were showing uh, the the Terminator, the Intimidator, with his son. Um, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Dale Earnhardt Sr. Uh, you know, doing the the win in 1988, and um, seeing Bill Elliott uh, winning in the 1999 uh, Daytona 500 uh, championship race as well, and and that one almost had me. Almost into tears as well. Yeah, Dale Earnhardt winning uh, there in the late 90s. Uh, he is obviously an icon. The, the famous line, 20 years of trying, 20 years of frustration. That was always an iconic line delivered by Mike Joy, the play-by-play man. And I think everyone understood what that meant to uh, Earnhardt finally get that one done in 98 and uh, was definitely an iconic moment in the sport. Yes, as well. And then this coming up uh, week, I will be seeing my Texas Rangers. Uh, playing against the Kansas City Royals for the uh, spring opener and uh, seeing what uh, new players that we'll be getting this uh, upcoming season as well. Baseball season is here, James. going to be very exciting to, to keep up with everything. I know the Rangers signed Jacob, uh, signed Jacob DeGrom from the Mets. They're very excited about that, and uh, we're just really excited for baseball to get here. Yes, as well. And then I'm going to be watching uh, this coming up uh, weekend. I'm going to be watching the World classic baseball uh, championships as well and uh, seeing what Puerto Rico is actually going to be doing uh, this coming up weekend as well. 
Yep, World Baseball Classic, something that only happens every four years or so, and going to be excited to see some of these big league players play for their countries, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely be tuned into that. Well, James, we'll, we appreciate the call today. We've got to let you go here, but uh, make sure you call us back here later in the week. All right, so I'll call you all back on uh, tomorrow as well. Sounds good. War Eagle, James. All right, War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Appreciate him for calling the show today. Only got about one minute left here in the hour. Fast-paced first hour. Uh, In hour number two again at 4.30, we will have Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. We've yet to talk Auburn basketball today. Uh, Yesterday, we actually didn't talk about it at too much length. I don't think we were trying to avoid the loss. I think we had a referendum on referees again in the the first hour, but didn't really talk about some of the individual play. So we'll kind of get into some of that uh, with Ferg. There were some really good individual performances. There was also one notably awful individual performance uh, that we could hit on too. This Auburn team taking on Ole Miss Wednesday night inside of Neville Arena. Again, the next to last home game of the year, only four regular season games left, two on the road, two at home. And uh, the, the, the challenge of this game will be vastly different than the challenge of the final game at home as Ole Miss is I, – I tell you what, Ole Miss and LSU uh, have probably lost the right to be above South Carolina now that South Carolina has won a couple of conference games. Uh, Ole Miss is kind of uh, involved in the pillow fight at the bottom of the league. So a game that Auburn definitely should take care of. We'll start to preview that. Uh, and a lot more talk about some of these rule changes and, and stuff in various sports. So a lot to tune into. Also, birthdays and sports nightly TV guide come up in the final two hours as well. Out of time for hour number one. Stay tuned. More sports call after the break. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call, starting right now. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with me here today. Hour number one, it felt like it rolled by very fast. Still ahead in the show today, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer coming up at 4.30, also birthdays and sports a little bit later, and some news on the Pac-12 and a potential TV deal for them. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Just kind of a 
conglomeration of a lot of different news and notes from various sports about rule changes and TV deals and you know all the good off-season uh, fodder that happens this time of year. But before we do any of that, let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the program today, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Uh, doing well today. You know, it's a Fat Tuesday uh, in the Morgan Grove area, Baldwin County, Mobile. But uh, Brooks Shooters, you know about that, don't you? That's right. Let the good times roll, Steve. Yeah. You know, I was in a good mood until I heard you guys' comments that I read on the Internet uh, about, uh, on AO.com about the uh, really uh, the, the tragic uh, uh, activities that surrounded uh, that young mother's death. And, you know, I've never been an attorney in my life, okay? I, maybe I watch too much uh, Law and Order, you know. But I'm thinking here, maybe if I'm the family of that girl's uh, victim, uh, that family, uh, I might be pursuing with their attorneys some action maybe against uh, the local DA for one reason. Uh, yeah, I've read here the criminal facilitation requires that a person knowingly provides substantial assistance to a person intending to commit a felony. Okay, let's say he didn't know anything about that. However, is there nothing uh, in state law that says, uh, you know, if you're preventing someone from uh, or not assisting someone from, you know, a criminal act, because they were blocking and his car was one of them, or Jeep, or was it, uh, blocking uh, the uh, escape uh, from uh, that woman's uh, uh, getting out of the uh, incident, right? Uh, that that's been reported but i mean i don't know the particulars of that uh you know the the whole thing sounds like there's an argument between uh the davis guy and a guy whose last name was johnson who was the boyfriend of the girl that was in the car right and miss harris according to what i read from the uh, al.com article says it did the uh according to the mother of miss harris deceased uh woman that uh, she said that she wasn't interested i don't know what she meant by she wasn't interested but they did uh use uh, Mr. Brandon Miller's uh, vehicle to block their passage. Uh, is that not uh, somehow impeding or not assisting uh, in, in the commission of a crime? Uh, I mean, I, I could imagine that is. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not an attorney, and I, I'm not. No, I'm just wondering that, that surely the attorneys for the families are looking uh, to, you know, further investigate that. But no, I, it's, just, it's just tragic. And then for Nate Oates. Come on, you know, you're not 19, 20 years old. Uh, you should have a dull brain and not come up with, you know, boys will be boys, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, no, that, his, his, uh, his response to that is, is very short-sighted and ridiculous. You, you can't just sit there and say that he was in the wrong place at the wrong, wrong time. I, I saw one of the Auburn beat writers who talked about this mention, you know, he, he said, you know, being in a bar when a brawl breaks out, that's being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Getting a call from your teammate at 1 o'clock in the morning to bring a gun down to the strip because there's some stuff going on. I know something is going down, and it, I'm going to go and uh, help you guys with it. Right. And uh, that, that's not wrong. Like, no, that, yeah. this fight. It's not a fist fight I'm going to help you with, but I'm going to bring a damn weapon. Yeah, that, that's not being in the wrong place at the wrong time. That is inserting yourself in to a volatile situation into a bad place at a bad time yeah you you are inserting yourself into what you know is a bad situation right now because somebody's asking you to bring a gun and you did it 
So no, that's not no, wrong place at the wrong time. No, you you chose no to take criminal, a gun down there to that. There's no criminal facilitation involved in that. There, that no, because from what I from what I read in the statute would be yeah, I'm what the yeah, yeah, only provide right only conspiracy. Provide. Yeah, intent. Um, intent is the thing. What and, else am I doing? Carry a gun to to some. Uh, uh, other people. Well, uh, why am I not inquiring? What do you need a gun for? Yeah. Well, and well, and the thing is, is that because it was not even the teammate that he brought it to that used the gun. The teammate then passed the gun off to the other guy who then went and shot in the vehicle. And you know what Brandon Miller can say is that listen, yeah, I br- I brought that gun down there, but I had no idea that it was going to turn into what it did. I mean, my intent was not to bring the gun down there so we could use it to kill somebody. Nobody told me that we're going to... What was my intent? See, if I'm, if I'm well, an attorney, this I'm saying, what was your intent of bringing the gun, sir? Yeah. Oh, I, and, and you know, and that agree, I agree. Um, but they're saying that they don't what have charges. What are used for? Are we hunting deer at night? Well, no. At 1 o'clock in the morning? Definitely not. No. Okay. Now, now I'll, I'll say this. He Brandon Miller may not... Uh, he may not be facing criminal charges on this, but that doesn't mean I don't think that he might not be civilly liable. If right. if the family goes civil on that, there's they could probably yes, uh, yeah, violation of civil rights. Uh, I, but you know, well, just you know, uh, you know, civil negligence and things like that um, tend to stray a little bit looser uh, than than the law, and so uh, you, you and and especially you know, you can find somebody. Uh, found civilly liable when they're even found not guilty uh that oj simpson was found not guilty in his murder trial but he was found civilly liable for the murder and ended up pay a bunch of money uh so i'd imagine the family of this young lady is probably going to go after every single one of them and especially brandon so. miller since he's going to be a first round draft pick making millions upon millions of dollars they're definitely going to go after him to try to get a little bit of that and what about the other uh, basketball player, uh, Bradley? Is that what uh, what's going on with him? Were they uh, anything? There, there has been nothing said about him other than he was just there. So yeah, well, he might have been the the other car that blocked, if I read maybe. that right. Or uh, but but he uh, no weaponry involved with him. Is uh, is Alabama did not? I mean, I've been watching too many Seinfeld episodes, but you know. The last episode was, you know, the final episode was the uh, Good Samaritan Law, and they were just laughing while a guy was being hijacked a car. Uh, does Alabama not have a Good Samaritan Law? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm no expert on Alabama law and procedure and things like that. I you know, really don't if know. If you see a crime being committed, you you just can't just be sitting there watching it happen. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 Steve, I really don't know. I, I, I'd okay. have to, I'd have to dig through all the things, but what, it, none of that really matters because the DA says they're not charging Brandon Miller with anything. They said that they don't have that because there was not the intent uh, to be able to charge him with a conspiracy charge, and so you're just gonna have to go with that. That that's that's what it is. Wow. Now, uh, my comments for any, all the listeners and callers as well uh, has little to do. Uh, with this guy being an Alabama basketball player, okay? I'd say the same things if it was a basketball player. This is, to me, unconscionable, uh, what they did. All right, leave that go. Uh, Mr. Brooks Childress. Yes, sir. You are familiar or not with an organization called the Comic Cowboys? I am. Okay, you know what they do, right? Yeah. They, they... take jabs and, and poke fun at politicians and out on Auburn football. 
Yeah, they, it, it's one of the uh, it's one of the more uh, unique uh, parading societies in Mobile. Yeah, well, they can be quite uh, let's say uh, abrasive to see, and they can quite uh, harsh at times. So anyway, today to the float. Uh, dedicated their puns and jabs at both Auburn and Alabama. And so I thought I'd share them with you. Uh, the first one uh, was in uh, Auburn, uh, and these are written on boards uh, on the floats. For the first one on Auburn says the following. It said, after Auburn University hired Hugh Freeze, Tuber's Corner has now become the red light district. Mm. That, was, that was their jab at uh, Auburn with a shoe freeze. And then the next float had an Alabama uh, comment on there. It says, Alabama football and the state of Alabama's death penalty. Underneath it has an inmate on a gurney, and it says, neither can execute. Interesting. So I said, whoa, I said, I've, I've got to share this with guys because, you know, at one level they are funny, but the other one, man, this is, this is pretty, uh, uh, that's pretty brutal, yeah, they, you know, to put those things up on there. They take some shots. They don't, they don't, uh, they don't hold back any. No, they didn't hold back on that one. All right. Uh, about today, guys, in history, Mr. James kind of, uh, I can segue from his comments about NASCAR. On February 21st in 1948, NASCAR was founded. Yep, 75th uh, anniversary season this year. Right. And the person who founded uh, NASCAR, his name was Bill Francis Sr. Sr. He was a mechanic and an auto repair shop owner from Washington, D.C., and he moved to Daytona Beach, Florida in the mid-30s. And the reason he did that, according to the History Channel, is that he got tired, uh, according to this article, of the dishonesty uh, that was going on in uh, apparently in sidecar racing. And so he got a bunch of guys together with him, and they founded uh, the uh, NASCAR organization in 1948. He was the very first president, and the very first race took place where, guys? Oh, I, I don't know, because uh, I don't think it was Daytona Beach, was it? I, I think, no, it was not. I don't think I they, thought you guys were NASCAR people. I am, but uh, was it wasn't Riverside, was it? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, it was Charlotte Speedway. I was going to say, it's okay. in Charlotte. In North Carolina, North Carolina uh, and it was on June 19th, they said about 13,000 fans were on hand. But here's what happened, okay? Uh, the person who first initially won the game uh, was driving a Lincoln, okay? And he won $2,000, but then they disqualified him because what? He had illegal rear springs on his car. Cheating now, all the way back from the first race. Yeah, all the way back. Uh, this was interesting, though, guys. I did not know this. In the early years of NASCAR racing, do you know what kind of cars they drove? Uh, I don't know. They were just cars like you and me drive, or used to drive. Buicks, Cadillac, and Oldsmobiles. Didn't uh, Richard or, or Petty drive like a Plymouth or something like that? Or yeah. they, well, I mean, they they were they were using they, cars. Yeah, they well, I mean, they were using their souped-up cars that they were using to to uh, run moonshine to. To, to run moonshine and get away from law enforcement, and they would soup their cars up, uh, and then they decided to start racing them. And so, yeah, I mean, it was just your everyday car that you would sit in the garage, and they would soup up and, and put great big engines and make them really fast to try to get away from law enforcement while they were uh, pushing booze. Okay, now you probably know this one. Who won the very first Daytona 500? 
Do you know Tom? I uh, just off the top of my head, no. Lee Petty. Lee Petty. Oh, it was Lee Petty. Okay. Yeah, February twenty second, uh, nineteen fifty. All right. So there. So I want to share with you about sports and quickly. James talked about it. Now about tomorrow night, guys. Real, real quickly. I'm just reading uh, the quote here today from uh, Coach Pearl. Uh, he said it's another must-win game. But what got me almost uh, gagging is he said this. Uh, this is from the article from 247 Sports. It said he compared the players, comparing said the players who will be on court at Neville Arena to Missouri's players. Pearl contends that there's not a major difference. I said, whoa, are you seriously going to say that, Coach Pearl? I mean, come on. You, you've been pretty you know, brutally honest about our team, but this is a team that is and 2-12 in the SEC. And I don't think Missouri's at that bad level at all are they no i i, I don't and I, I wouldn't really agree with, with coach Pearl. i think some of that becomes coach speak at, at that time to kind of hit, say hey don't take this game doesn't do that Brian. he doesn't usually do that coach speak nonsense but he said it on here he's comparing to Missouri well, players to the uh, Ole Miss players they're two and 12 well, sure. Come on, he, coach. He, he does do coach speak sometimes though when he when he talks sometimes in the in the early season about how really, quote, good a Belmont team is or a Mercer team is and that sort of thing. And, and sometimes there's validity to that. But bottom line is he always respects his opponents, which is a good trait because I that know, means – but don't exaggerate things. Uh, Steve, coaches do that all the time, all the time. That is not – I was hoping our coach doesn't do that all the time. I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. But, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't agree with him. I, I think that – uh, Ole Miss is clearly a, a, a couple rings below what what Missouri is, and uh, you know Ole Miss doesn't doesn't mean they don't have a couple good players. I mean I know uh, Jamin Brakefield's pretty good, and uh, one or two other of their guards, but I mean yeah they're not going to be uh, as talented as Missouri. Yeah, and I happen to see the last four or five minutes of the game uh, of the Ole Miss Mississippi State game, in which I mean, Ole Miss probably should have won, they could have won it, and they go in overtime and lose to Mississippi State at home. Yeah, I mean their record speaks for itself. Not a good, not a yeah. good basketball team. So, guys, if we don't beat Ole Miss tomorrow night by at least, I'd say fifteen twenty points, then something is is dreadfully wrong. Would you agree or disagree with me? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think they should win this game by double digits. Uh, I mean, they're favored by twelve. Uh, so I've already, we, I haven't seen the line. Yeah, the line is already out on that. Auburn is favored by twelve. So. I would still probably pick Auburn to cover that, and and I agree. If it's single digits or something like that, then uh, that is not going to be a confidence builder at all. No, not at all. All right, and I did know this about baseball, guys. Um, I guess you guys probably knew it, but since we got slammed Sunday, uh, there's a 10-run rule game now in baseball. Is that right, the SEC? Yeah, we we were – Auburn was flirting with the 10-run rule in that one against Indiana. Uh, but yeah, they they're supposed to be having the uh, ten run rule in SEC play now. Well, it, it is in okay. SEC play, but then in non conference, both teams have to agree to. So, it. And, and that and that has that part of it has been around for a little while. I can recall some some seven inning games when like Auburn might play like an Alabama State or something. It'd be like eighteen to one or something, and, and they can call it after seven. So that part of it is not new. Uh, it is the part where an SEC play it becomes automatic after uh, ten runs after seven. So uh, you've seen that, and uh, not obviously in seven innings in softball, but there's always been some sort of run rule in softball, and and now it's coming to baseball just to try and and increase or not increase decrease 
uh, the the time it takes to play these games. These games have, uh, like several things, it's it's a problem for several sports on pace of play and, and that sort of thing. And the games moved a little quicker this weekend. I will say, I think even even the last game, which was what was eleven to two or whatever it was, still was three hours and three minutes, and that's not bad at all for an eleven to two game. And one of our pitchers, I forgot his name now, one uh, co. Uh, um, I guess uh, player of the week in the SEC. Well, I know Ike Irish won co-freshman of the week. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. He he is a catcher slash DH, but uh, uh, but yeah, but certainly uh, he is off to a big start. He's the freshman that a lot of people are very excited about with Auburn, and you can see why for one week. Yeah, um, great hitter. But I was also impressed by Gonzalez as a first uh, starting uh, pitching. Yeah, he seems really uh, the real deal. Yeah, five shutout innings, uh, only like 43 or 44 pitches or 50 pitches, something like that, and uh, got a couple double plays, pitched the contact, was very efficient. And what about the 10-run rule? Is that going to go and apply to the SEC tournament as well? I would assume so, uh, especially with pace of play being an issue as they you know, famously have had really late nights in Hoover for the SEC tournament. So I, I think with that in mind, that's probably one of the, the biggest reasons they wanted to do that. But this won't apply when it comes to non-SC games like, the, let's say, the, the World Series tournament, right? Yeah, I, I don't know if there will be official rule with that. Obviously, I don't think either team would, quote, agree to it. <laughs> if you're down in the College World Series, I think you'd still try and play it out. Uh, but, but that could be mandated by NCAA. I'm not quite sure on that. Well, speaking of that, do you think anything like that will ever uh, transpire uh, into the Major League Baseball uh, game? Into Major League Baseball, I, I have a hard time thinking that would happen at a professional level. Uh, it just is more of an amateur concept to, A, make sure a game does not take a million years, and then, B, I mean, it, you know, some people refer to it as a mercy rule, uh, and in amateur athletics, you know, that that is more of a reasonable thing to institute. I, I don't really see that ever becoming a part of Major League Baseball. Okay. All right, guys. Um, that's all I've got. Um, I hope you uh, guys have a rest of the day that's enjoyable and relaxing for yourselves. And uh, we got a baseball game on tonight uh, with uh, in Huntsville, right? Yes, uh, Auburn at North Alabama uh, at Toyota Field, the home of the Rocket City Trash Pandas tonight. Uh, and that game will start at 6 o'clock. Right, is that purely live streaming or at all? It's going to be on. Uh, I think it's across. It should be on your uh, Auburn Sports Network affiliate if they carry baseball. And then it's going to be streamed on YouTube. Okay. All right. Thank you, guys. Uh, appreciate your time. My time is up. Uh, we'll talk to you again sometime tomorrow. Until then, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve. That is retired Ward AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Always appreciate Steve for uh, calling us there. Real quickly, before we take our next time out, we get to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Let's hit today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Birthdays in Sports, presented by Max Credit Union, with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gaines Street in Auburn, and the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Steve Francis turns 46. Uh, the franchise, TV franchise, number two overall pick in the 1999 NBA Draft by the then Vancouver Grizzlies out of Maryland. Let's go Terps. Traded to the Houston Rockets prior to the 99-2000 season. Co-rookie of the year, all-rookie first-team honors, three-time All-Stars member of the Rockets, also playing for the Orlando Magic and New York Knicks. At Maryland, Francis was the fi- was a finalist for the Wooden and Naismith Awards and was named first-team All-ACC. 
and consensus second team All-American in 1999. His number 23 jersey is honored by Maryland. Alan Trammell turned 65, shortstop drafted by the Detroit Tigers in the second round of the 1976 MLB draft straight out of high school. Spent entire 20-year career with the Tigers. Six-time All-Star, 1984 World Series champion and MVP. Four-time Gold Glove Award winner. Three-time Silver Slugger Award winner. Number three is retired by the Tigers. He also managed them from 2003 to 2005. Inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2018. Alan Trammell turns 65. Braylon Edwards turns 40. Wide receiver, number three overall pick in the 2005 NFL Draft to the Cleveland Browns out of Michigan. Big blue. 2007, Edwards earned his Pro Pro Bowl selection and was second-team All-Pro. Also played for the Jets, 49ers, and Seahawks at Michigan. Edwards was two-time All-Big Ten, won the Blitnikoff Award, and was named unanimous All-American, Big Ten Most Valuable Player, and Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year his senior season in 2004. Big-bodied receiver, remember him, but I think he had a big drop problem, if I remember. That's what flamed him out in the NFL. Braylon Edwards turns 40 today. And then a happy Auburn Tiger birthday to Wesley Steiner, who turns 21, linebacker for the Auburn Tigers. Steiner was a four-star recruit out of Houston County in Georgia. He's an All-American and uh, top five at the linebacker position. Uh, been a regular player for Auburn at the linebacker spot. And as a three-time All-Academic all SEC selection, Wesley Steiner of the Auburn Tigers turns 21 today. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. We need to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. We'll start to talk some Auburn basketball with him next. easy it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn now back to the multi-time abby award-winning sports call Welcome back to Sports Call on this Tuesday. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you here. Fun show so far. You look like you have a quizzical look, Brooks. This that sound, I've, I've been trying to figure out what this music sounds like, and it sounds like we are, and it makes sense because we do a sports talk show, but it sounds like it's a late night talk show, and we're in the middle of a segment, and they're coming back, and it's like the band's just, you know, playing some jazzy tune to come yeah. back to. Well, I mean... Is that what it sounds like to you, Tom? You've this just sounds like a late 70s, early 80s action TV show with the background music going. Maybe. The little <laughs> with the bass guitar, little slap bass going. Well, w- the uh, good thing is we can actually get someone else's opinion on that as we go to our Auburn Bank phone line and we welcome in Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer to this Tuesday edition of the show. Justin, I don't know if you just caught our, uh, our lead-in music there. I, I don't know. Does that sound like anything in particular to you if you did hear that? Yeah, I'm going to agree with Tom. It definitely gives me like 70s, early 80s, like TV show or TV movie vibes. 
definitely like transition between scenes kind there, of yeah. kind of music. There yep. you go. Well, we are transitioning between commercial and, and content, so uh, that, I guess it achieves its purpose there. But Justin, hope you're doing well this time. Not as much, not fresh off of the the vast travel that you've had the last couple of weeks. Uh, but this Auburn basketball team traveled to Nashville again on Saturday, uh, and uh, another disappointing trip to the state of Tennessee for different reasons. Uh, what did you observe from that game and, and just everything that went wrong there? Yeah, I mean, I think Auburn played well with their front court, and they did enough to give them a chance to win. They just This team has just had a hard time late in games getting the stops that they need. Uh, it was a problem against A&M. It was a problem against Alabama. It obviously was a problem against Vanderbilt with that late, late uh, made field goal uh, to win it for, for Vanderbilt. Here's the thing about Auburn. Like, you're 27 games into the season. You know this team's got their limitations on offense. And I even thought, like, against A&M and against, in particular, this Vanderbilt game, they made some shots and they made some plays down the stretch on offense. It, it, you know, it's fine for what they are as a team on offense. But the same defense that you see play for the first 35 minutes of the game, for some reason it's just not quite carrying over as much into the final five. And that's, that's really hurt them. And so in this game, it's just not getting stops late. Um, really hurt Auburn. Um, but, you know, it, it's a tough loss on the road against a team that's playing some good basketball right now, so it's not a killer. I mean, they only dropped three spots in the net. Um, you know, they're still top 30 in the net, top 20 in Ken Palm and, and Sagarin and things like that, which that's an NCAA tournament team. Um, but I do think, you know, these last two weeks of the season, if you take care of business against Ole Miss tomorrow night at home, you have these next three games coming up where you just need to take at least one of them to feel very confident about where you're going to be standing heading into into tournament time. And as Bruce Pearl said today, they've been playing well. They just haven't played well enough to get over the hump, and uh, they got to find whatever that next step's going to be uh, in order to beat a team like a Kentucky or a Tennessee or an Alabama. A little bit of a sidebar here, Ferg. Do you like the the net ranking as opposed to what the committee used to use with like RPI and that sort of stuff? Do you feel that that paints a better picture of a team's resume? It does. I think yeah, RPI had way too many factors, and it just was pretty flawed in the way it does some things. Net is basically comes down to who'd you beat and where'd you beat them, or who'd you lose to and where'd you lose to them to, and efficiency stuff like Ken Palm, um, like you know Sagarin, like. A lot of these predictive metrics that say, okay, how good are you efficiency-wise on offense and defense, depending on who you played against? So analytically, it's easier for me to understand because I can be like, you know what, I can pull up Ken Palm rankings and I can see, you know what, an Auburn team that's lost six out of the last eight, but all six losses they've had have been come against really good teams. Most of them are on the road. Um, you know, most of them have been close games. You can look at that and say, okay, that makes sense. You know, if you just go purely results-based and you don't fit in the opponents and the efficiency as well as net does uh i do think you can get kind of wonky so I, I i do like net it is a lot easier for me to understand um which is you know made made my job a lot easier uh when we look at some of these uh past couple of losses that have happened uh one of the big things that jumps out is that free throw disparity and uh, we saw it against Vanderbilt. I mean, you had one guy shot more free throws than Auburn did as a team, and we saw that disparity uh, in a couple of others game in the other games. Do you have any reason why that disparity is there? Uh, I mean, is Auburn just a team that fouls a lot, or the officials just being very nitpicky with them? I, it just seems weird that there is such a lopsided disparity at the free throw line in some of these games. Auburn is a team that fouls a lot. I think they play a really physical brand of defense that will get 
you know tight whistles on it from from a good bit of of the officials. However, the thing about the disparity to me is just Auburn should be going to the line a lot more than they are. Um, you shouldn't have a game where you only take you have ten free throws when you score as many points in the paint as Auburn did when you have um, you know the Vanderbilt game where Jalen Williams hit seven or eight shots from the paint and yet never goes to the free throw line, and Jani Broom barely goes to the line, and right. you have guys driving to the basket and don't go in. That's the thing to me. It's like, defensively, you know, Auburn, Auburn's been fouling a lot this year. I mean, this is from the very beginning when they were playing non-conference. I thought this team had a really, really tough job of fouling too many times. But I think the thing is, is that I think their offense isn't getting rewarded enough, and it's really hurting them in these games, especially away from home, when I do think the officials can – cater to the crowd a little bit more and get caught up in that kind of emotion um, because Auburn, I think it's something it's something that I dug up the other day. It's like Auburn's lost four games in a row by five points or less away from home in you know, this, this little stretch they've got here are the ones that they have lost. And in those games, um, I think Auburn has shot 49 fewer free throws than the other team has. So, I mean, like that, you know, yes. you're going to foul. You're going you're gonna to be like, but the disparity is a two-way street, right? You, it's the offense not getting rewarded as much as it's the defense getting punched. Looking forward to this next week of action, Justin. Obviously, it starts with Ole Miss on Wednesday. The, the narrative about Ole Miss, as long as Kermit Davis will be there, or and which might not be much longer, by the way, but it has just always been that Kermit Davis has had uh, some things figured out about Bruce Pearl, at least, at least the first couple of years that Kermit was there at Ole Miss. Auburn was able to uh, have a, a pretty decisive victory in Oxford after a slow first half. Uh, what does Auburn need to guard against, as, as this is clearly a game Auburn is expected to win and, and win pretty big? And they have to. They have to. Bruce Pearl said it today. It's like, if we lose this game, it could do some irreparable damage to our resume. And so they've got to win it. Um, yeah, I mean, Auburn played really well on offense the first time they played. Um, I thought defensively, you know, could have been better, which I think they need to kind of tighten up on. Ole Miss is not a very good offense. They don't shoot the ball well. They turn the ball over a good bit. Um, they've just been struggling. Defensively, though, that, that team under Kermit Davis has continued to really be a pressing, trapping kind of defense that will, you know, give you some trouble um, if you don't take care of the ball. Good news is that Auburn has taken care of the ball pretty well over the last, you know, probably seven or eight games. I think their their turnover rate, rate has gone down, um, which is a really, really good sign for them. So for Auburn, I think, you know, you, you continue to just play your kind of game. It, this is not the Missouri game where there's, like, a clear and obvious, like, mismatch that you can take advantage of. Although I do think Ole Miss has some disadvantages, it's just not as good of a team that you're playing. So Auburn's got to stay the course, be back at home, um, you know, get some confidence back, and, and try to you know, pick yourself off the mat, get get a good win, and, and keep going. If they do what they did against Ole Miss, um, you know, earlier this season, carried into a home game, they should be able to get another comfortable win and and start turning the page to the Kentucky game. And then, Justin, going off of what you just said there, turning the page to the Kentucky game, we we talked about once a week, so I want to get your early thoughts on that Kentucky game coming up on uh, Saturday. A a Kentucky team that struggled to start the year seemed like they found themselves right after the start of conference play a little bit and then have kind of taken another dip down. What what are your thoughts uh, as the Tigers head to Lexington on Saturday? I mean, you know, Kentucky's going to be a team that's really going to challenge you, um, especially in the paint. Oscar Chibwe is a rebound machine, and we know that if Auburn does not rebound well, they usually don't win. Rebounding has been very key to their to their wins and losses this year. So, I mean, obviously with Chibwe, you've got to got to really do do a good job. Uh, additionally, I think you know Kentucky's had some really good offensive numbers at times this year when their guards are hitting, when their wings are playing well. 
Um, they are a tough team to beat on offense. Not as strong of a defense as we're used to seeing from Kentucky, but away from home, it's going to be another thing. You know, can you can you do a good job of trying to generate good quality looks, and then on defense, rebound and 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 really do your best without fouling and getting caught up in that Rupp Arena environment. Um, it's going to be a really really tough game, but this is you know not a terrible uh, matchup for Auburn. I don't think um, in the front court particularly. Backcourt, Kentucky's got more size, uh, but they haven't been like ultra consistent this season. So I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a big chance for Auburn to try to prove some of the doubters wrong and try to get over the hump. And that Janai Broom and Oscar Chiway matchup, Ferg, is going to be very fascinating. Janai Broom coming off a really good week in which he had two twenty-point games, but also in that game in the midweek last week against Missouri, he did get banged up a couple different times after made dunks. Uh, and I was just curious if you thought that he is anything less than 100%. I know he played very well at Vanderbilt still, but but is there any kind of lingering foot ailment there? I don't think there's anything kind of lingering that would keep him out um, but because he has played. But, I mean, at this point in the year, especially if you're a big man, you're not playing at 100% anyway. So I think it's one of those things you have to kind of grind it out. But I don't think it adversely affected his play. Uh, but it's, got some, it's something you got to continue to keep an eye on. Sure. We're talking to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer right here on the Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Let's transition to a couple other quick things with you, Ferg. And one of those things happening now a couple of weeks ago that we failed to ask you about uh, is the announcement that Oklahoma and Texas will be joining the SEC a year early in 2024, which means just one more football season before the Longhorns and Sooners enter the league. And, of course, that kicks off a lot of debate amongst the league and and all of its members about how to go about the schedule. Uh, First, your thoughts just on Oklahoma and Texas joining the league a year early, and then what might it mean and what would you like to see with with a new football schedule? Well, I'm glad that people are using some common sense when it comes to when they're coming into the league. 2024 is going to be a college football season where you have – um, an expanded college football playoff. Everything's kind of changing. A lot of pieces are moving in conference realignment. Why wait? You know, why why do this at a different time? The Big Ten's expanding. SEC should be doing it at the same time as well. The playoffs expanding. So it's good to have it all kind of wrapped up the way it is. Um, you know, honestly, I think from a football perspective, obviously it's going to make the league better just because Oklahoma and Texas are two big brand names that recruit well and have you know great history, but. Very interested to see how the league handles their scheduling. It does look like uh, the format of three permanent rivals and then six rotating on and off is the preferred way to go about it. Um, I think it's the best way. It's one that I've talked about for years and years is the way get rid of divisions, have this rotation. You play everybody within two years. You play everybody in their own uh, you know, building within four years. Uh, and then obviously you have you know three permanent rivals that you play a ton. So uh, that's the way to go about it. Um, the real question is, you know, what do you do with that third rival? Um, and it'll be interesting to see what the league takes. Obviously, they're going to want to protect as many, you know, historic rivalries as possible. And for Auburn, that's going to be all, you know, Alabama and Georgia for sure. That third spot, where do they go? Do they give you a Florida? Do they give you an LSU? Or do they give you somebody like a Mississippi State, uh, you know, that you have a lot of history with? but it's not one of those teams that it's just this big championship neighboring program. So it'll be very interesting to see what the league ends up deciding because uh, I think Auburn's one of the more fascinating teams on, okay, who do you give them at this point? And, and ultimately, Ferg, I guess the question for the league, and you kind of hit on it there at the end, what is 
I mean, you can't give everyone necessarily just the three teams that they would matter most to them. So I know that the first team or two, you're going to try and make rivals, try and make sense uh, with, with the histories of, of, of all these programs, and a lot of them have a lot of it. But ultimately, do you think the league wants to lean towards a third rival the best they can do it for these teams or something to balance out the difficulty uh, of program with the other two that may be more set in stone? I think they want to balance because I think you've already heard enough about, you know, there's conference, there's teams in this conference that don't want to go to nine games because a ninth conference game is going to make it tougher for them to make a bowl game every year. We know how much that affects the team financially and how much it just affects everything about a program um, that being able to go to a bowl game. So I do think balance is probably going to be the first and foremost thing. You know, if you don't have three easy permanent rivals that just line up with everybody, then you probably need to probably go for balance. And that's why I think Mississippi State is the good, um, you know, Mississippi State is the good uh, compromise here, I think, for, um, you know, between balance and actual history. I mean, you could give them Florida, right? You could give Auburn LSU. They all, all obviously have awesome memories and awesome games between the two. But, and a few people I don't think realize this, Mississippi State is the second most played team Auburn has played in its history, only behind Georgia, because, of course, the Iron Bowl rivalry took a big long uh, break uh, there in the middle of the 20th century because they were fighting over ticket prices and whatnot. Um, so uh, Mississippi State makes sense. These are two very similar universities in terms of their setup and what they believe in, what they try to accomplish is kind of ag land-grant schools. Um, you've played them a ton, and it's also not going to just overload you. Uh, and also, like Mississippi State, we'll see who else they would give them, but like if State, you know, permanent rivals was Ole Miss and Auburn and you know, maybe if they keep the Kentucky game or something like that, it'd be a balanced schedule for them as well. So I, I do think that would be a, a really good compromise for everybody involved. So I think that's that's where I keep leaning towards. I mean, it'd be cool to see Auburn play Florida every year again. It'd be cool to see them keep playing LSU because that's, those are always fun games. Um, but, you know, I think State's just the best compromise all the way around. He's Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Ferg, what do you have going on here at the Observer over the next few days? Yeah, so uh, today we had a couple things up uh, for for subscribers. We have a have a uh, you know spring football starts in less than a week. Um, so you know I had a uh, story on um, you know one big question for each position group heading into spring practice. It's just kind of what I'm looking at and kind of breaking down. Uh, you know what you need to watch for during spring ball. Uh, Painter and I also did a podcast today uh, where we talked some basketball, but we also did. A, uh, what we call our spring breakout draft that we've done every every spring uh, practice heading into it where we each pick five players that we think um, are going to be the talk of spring practice. So you can check that out. That's available for everybody to listen to. Just go wherever you listen to your podcast, search the Auburn Observer. But if you want everything else, all of the basketball coverage and all the football coverage we've got coming up here um, these next few weeks, go to auburnobserver.com, sign up. Six hours a month, $60 a year. Uh, to get everything, and uh, we email everything to your inbox. There's one or two things coming your way most every day. Justin, as always, we appreciate the time on the show today. Uh, we can't wait to talk to you again soon. Have a great week, and uh, enjoy chatting with you again today. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. That is Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us here on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. One final timeout in hour number two. Back to wrap up hour number two and set up hour number three in just a moment.
Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call here on this Tuesday. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you here. Just a, literally a minute or so left in this hour. Appreciate Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer uh, for joining us right there um, just a segment ago. If you missed that, you can go back and check it out in the Sports Call podcast, which is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live, if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand, wherever you get your podcast, enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. Uh, appreciate Ferg for joining us each and every week on the program. He does great work at the Auburn Observer, uh, something that he's built from the ground up and uh, has a lot of great basketball and football coverage, and, and that's something here as the, the calendar clicks over into March here in just a week or so. Uh, it'll start to be spring practice time. I mean, that's ah. coming up right around the corner. There'll be some excitement. First time in a couple of years. When's the last time, Tommy, if you had to estimate that you would have been this excited about spring practice? Um, well into the Malzahn tenure? tenure? Yeah. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll be, honestly, I'll tell you this. Or maybe you're not that excited. Well, I mean, spring Real practice quickly. is spring practice. No, I, I'll sure. tell you this. Uh, there, there was a, there was excitement. There, there was definitely excitement in um, – Harson's first year because sure. it was new. Everybody was, uh, I should say everybody, most people were ready to move on from Malzahn. They realized things had stagnated. Uh, yeah, not everybody was completely on board with Harson, but it's kind of, all right, here we go. You know, new start. Let's see what the guys got. So there was excitement. And then after that went to crap and the recruiting class, Yeah, nobody even talked about spring last year. It was the weirdest thing how spring practice started. And we sat here on the show and we're like, oh, wow. Spring Here's practice. some brave stuff for you. Yeah. yeah, it was like, whoa! Spring practice started. Didn't even know it. So uh, we will have a lot of coverage of that as we go through the spring this year. A lot of excitement is building. Out of time for hour number two. When we come back in hour number three, a lot more sports call. Got to talk this Pac-12 TV deal, which could happen. It's gonna be very interesting. And then some rule changes coming up all ahead in the third hour of sports call. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. 
Hour number three of Sports Call on this Tuesday. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here. Coming live from our studios on South College Street. First couple hours feel like they have flown by. So let's get right back into it here to start hour number three. And let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341, locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the program is Jack from Auburn. Jack, how are you doing? Pretty good, uh, guys. It's good good talking to you. I haven't called this show in a while, but um, <clears throat> about the whole situation at Alabama with Brandon Miller and Nate Oates, don't you guys agree that there's pretty much no way out for anybody at this point? I mean, even if they can come up with a justification to keep playing Miller, I mean, can you imagine what the environment's going to be like when Bama goes on the road or plays in the, the postseason anywhere? I mean, <laughs> who knows what kind of a situation could arise? You know, you maybe even, you know, something dangerous could happen. Wouldn't you guys agree with that? Uh, I, I I don't know that I would go to the extreme of saying something dangerous would happen, but it's definitely going to be a black eye on Nate Oates. It's going to be a black eye on that program. Uh, the national media is absolutely vilifying Alabama and Nate Oates right now for the way that this has been handled. Um, so, no, there's no going back from it. It, it is out there. Uh, and Nate Oates made his bed by saying, quote, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, which is one of the most ridiculous statements I've ever heard for a situation like that. So, uh, no, I don't think any danger will come from it, uh, but this is a black eye that they're not going to recover from at all. Nope. And it's, like it's been touched on, the best thing for Oates to have said would have just been no comment. Um, <clears throat> one other thing, and I'll just hang up and uh, listen to you guys talk about this. I think I saw somewhere on social media where uh, John Cohen was talking about, you know, the new once Texas and Oklahoma come to the league and the new scheduling format and, you know, whether it's, you know, a 1-7 format or a 3-6 format with the nine games. And I think Cohen kind of expressed a uh, desire to, for Florida to be Auburn's third opponent and to kind of bring back that rivalry. And I'd just like to hear you, 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 your thoughts on it. And Good talking to you guys, as always. War Eagle. War Eagle. Appreciate that phone call, Jack. That is Jack from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Yeah, this schedule thing is something that we could talk about uh, really all show, every show, until until the schedule, actually, the new rotation comes out. And I think that's the great debate with how people want it done. There's a segment of people... Uh, and to be fair, the, I've, I've heard this is the bigger segment. I think most Auburn people are wanting, from what I've heard, uh, that... You want the three best rivals. So you obviously are going to get Alabama and Georgia. I, I don't think there's going to be any debate there. I'd be flabbergasted if, if Georgia was not a part of the rotation for, right. for Auburn. So it's going to be Alabama and Georgia. That third team, I'm hearing most people are wanting another rival, either Florida or LSU. I'm hearing more people wanting Florida. You just heard uh, Jack you know, want uh, or, or Jack talking about Cohen uh, possibly wanting Florida there. There is still the segment. I, I lean towards this is what's going to actually happen. I still think they're going to balance that out with a with a Mississippi State or a South Carolina type of school. Now, there's really no relevance for South Carolina and Auburn to be playing. Uh, yes, South Carolina's been in the league for a while. Yes, Auburn has lost a couple to South Carolina recently. But at least with Mississippi State, it's a team, and as Justin Ferguson was talking about, that Auburn's been playing every year for a long time. Right. Uh, and, and that, for the balance of 
schedule difficulty because look even though georgia is still above what it normally is like georgia's not usually national championship or bust every year they they've had a plenty of great years for their program but but notably did not have a national championship for around 40 years so this is still higher than normal for them but even with that georgia is still a top five program in the sec period uh end of discussion and Alabama is a top five, maybe the best program in college football, period. And and that's been borne out out of decades and decades. So either way, even though that they're those two are having even above average success right now, those programs are always anticipated to be some of the SEC's strongest, some of the country's strongest. And so you're still wanting, if you're the SEC, to balance that out if you're trying to have a balanced schedule for all, because it's not even necessarily about just trying to balance it out for Auburn. It could be about balancing it out for someone else too. If, if one schedule is imbalanced in an even team league, it is very possible that another schedule becomes imbalanced in terms of, uh, of schedule difficulty. Now, again, there is some element to that that is subjective because it's what's going on right now. You know, some teams play well above or below, as I just talked about with Georgia and Alabama. Florida, for instance, is well below what they have been for the last 30 years. Ever since Spurrier got there in the early 90s, Florida would have been probably the second best program in the SEC for, for the 30 years from early 90s to, to now, how or the last couple of years. However, since Urban Meyer left about a decade ago, they've been up and down, up and down. Go to an SEC or win an SEC East title, go five and seven, then go six and six, and then go back to nine and three, and then back to five and seven. I mean, they, they have been kind of all over the place the last decade or so. So right now, Florida would not seem to have the teeth. You would think it was would be balanced by putting them in there. But again, with history, history says that's a top five SEC program. And so uh, that part of it will be, I think, what the league's, league talks a lot about. But I have heard a lot of Auburn people want Florida. I think that that I think if you're an Auburn fan, you should want Florida or LSU uh, at just because of the, the pageantry of it. But again, I want to digress into the fact that this is not an all-or-nothing scenario. You're not if you don't play LSU every year. It's not like you then have to wait six years to play them. You're gonna play them every other year. You're gonna go to each other's campuses once out of every four years. So again, you take a turn in college and stay four years. You'll see everyone come to you, and you'll go to everyone. And so I, I think that part of it will maintain some of the rivalry element to some of these smaller ones that get left behind with the new scheduling and not having divisions anymore. Uh, what 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 do you guys think about what Auburn will ultimately get versus what they should want to get? What they would I mean what they would ultimately probably want to get is you want to keep Alabama, you want to keep Georgia. Yep. That third game you know, uh, me and Tom talked a little bit about it last week, uh, the scheduling models. There's a, a th- there's three teams that I could see right now that could be the uh, the third the third team that Auburn could want. You may want to keep LSU because that's kind of grown into a, uh, a you know a big rivalry in in the Southeastern Conference, the, the Tiger Bowl. You may want to go back to pulling Tennessee because that's more of a we talked you know I mean Tom you talked about it last week when we uh, we spoke about this. It's more of a regional thing. It, it, the Tennessee is it, it's about you know what what's four four and a half hour drive from from here to Knoxville. 
and it's about a five six hour drive from here to uh to baton rouge so it's a little bit closer a little bit more regional and it was you know you you used to be a, a big traditional rivalry and you could also see florida coming into play and i know like like brought up uh has been brought up a lot of, on this program by, by a lot of our callers that you know big former or a big rivalry that used to be auburn played florida almost every single year uh could be coming out so i think i think one of those three is probably who auburn uh could want if they want to bring back a rivalry also you may want to be like hey we want to you know a little bit of a break maybe we go get you know see if we can get mississippi state on the on the on the uh on the schedule every single year maybe get old miss on the schedule every single year where i say a break uh, those are still very good programs, but they're not of the same caliber as an Alabama or a Georgia or an LSU. They're not, you know, national title contenders year after year. Now, Mississippi State, you know, has good years. Ole Miss has good years. Lane Kiffin has Ole Miss in a really good spot right now. Uh, and so I, I think in, any of those could be what Auburn would want. What I think Auburn's going to end up getting is probably a – probably end up getting Alabama and Georgia keep those rivalries going because that moves those are two games that on the college football landscape moves the needle doesn't really matter how the teams are doing that year you know pretty much that the Iron Bowl is going to be a 2:30 Saturday after Thanksgiving and the Georgia game is more than likely either going to be a CBS game or it's going to be ESPN primetime one of those two cuz it's such a big rivalry and there, there's not, you know, you're not going to get Georgia and Auburn 11 a.m. SEC Network kick. Like that's just not probably not going to happen. Um, you certainly hope not. <laughs> you, you would, yeah, because that means both teams are in a very, very bad place. Right. Um, I think you could see uh, ultimately what ends up happening is, like I said, Alabama, Georgia, either LSU, Tennessee, or one of the Mississippi schools because of proximity. And because of, uh, I think that may because you've been in the the divisions for so long. If you're the SEC, you may want to keep some of these divisional opponents, you know, around the same, and not you know, not give a break, but you know, keep it, keep it like an SEC West team has two SEC West opponents, quote unquote, for the year. An SEC East team has two SEC East opponents every single year, and then one. What would would have been a cross division rival? So I, I think you could ultimately see Auburn with a with a two main rivals, and then either an LSU or a Mississippi school. Tom, what about you? So definitely the definitely uh, Alabama and Georgia uh, that needs to stay, um, and I think Auburn knows that. And I think both of those other schools know that. That those are just historic rivalries. After that, yeah, I mean it could go a lot of different ways. I know uh, Cohen was talking about Florida. Yeah, that would be cool. But, uh, I mean, that's a rivalry from the 80s that has really, I mean, that's not so much a rivalry anymore. It would seem like LSU would be the main one. But, you know, from a, oh, man, from a competitive aspect, do you still want those three on your schedule every single year? Right. I mean, well, I, I, mean, I, I don't know. I You got to keep Bama and Georgia on there. That's just – I say unfortunate that those two have just become what they have. You know, hopefully Auburn can get to the spot where they are competing at that level, and that's what we're hoping Hugh Freeze is going to be able to do. Um, so that's a gauntlet just having those two on your schedule every year anyway. Do you throw LSU in there every year 
Would you rather, you know, from a competitive standpoint, do you feel better with LSU? Do you feel better with Florida? Obviously, you would feel better with one of the Mississippi schools because, you know, you just don't expect they're going to get to that national championship type level. Florida, maybe they could again, but they, you know, they've been going through their struggles. So you've got two already that you expect to be national title contenders for the foreseeable future. You know, what do you want that third to be? Right. It's that's a it's a well, tough decision. What do you, do, what do you want it to be? Uh, me me personally, um, I throw the I throw the competitive part out. I want it to be LSU because I think in the modern times of football, the Auburn LSU rivalry um, has a lot more uh, to it than Auburn Florida. You know, I I was not even watching Auburn. I was not even watching Auburn football when the Auburn Florida thing was a thing. So I don't understand that. What used to be a rivalry, I know those have been you know brutal games when they've played each other, but that one just feels a lot lesser of a thing than Auburn LSU. See, to so, me, though, I, I would argue that because you, you can say that just given the circumstances, it should because of how long it's been and that sort of thing. But I'm telling you, I went down and, Brooks, you were there, too. Yes. We went down to Gainesville sure. in 2019 for that game. Right. That is the loudest freaking stadium I have heard in my entire life. I cannot believe how fired up they were for that game. Yeah. And... From what I gather, there's a, I don't know if it, Auburn to that degree would feel that way about Florida coming in here. Oh, it gets but, crazy here. But I mean, well, I know it gets crazy here. But I'm just saying for them in particular, I don't know if they would be as crazy for Florida as Florida people were crazy for Auburn. But if they are, then you've got two fan bases that clearly still value the hell out of playing each other. And I'm saying that's where that interest gets generated. That's why we've heard some of this right. because it's it's not. Maybe it's not what we would think of since they haven't been playing much, but that's what the people are actually saying is we still value that matchup. I, I think, though, the, the value of the matchup, I think, is not so much, so much because of there being a rivalry. Because, I, I mean, I, you know this as well as I do. The loudest, part, the loudest parts of your college football stadiums are going to be from your student section. They're the ones that are going to be raising the most hell out there. Those kids, those kids, even then, were not alive when Auburn was playing Florida on a year ba- yearly basis, and they don't understand that there was a rivalry back then. They don't understand that you know Auburn desperately wanted Emmett Smith and thought they were going to get Emmett Smith right up until about signing day, and and then he ended up becoming a Florida legend. Uh, you know, I, they don't understand that one, but in the modern day times, they do understand the Auburn LSU thing. There's going to be excitement. Anytime Auburn and Florida play each other, there's going to be excitement because that's two upper echelon SEC teams. So whether there's rivalry or not, there's going to be excitement there just because those are high-caliber teams. There's not going to be any excitement for one of the Mississippi schools. There's definitely not going to be any excitement. I'm thinking Florida. When Florida plays any of the Mississippi schools, there's not going to be any excitement for that. There's not going to be a super load of excitement uh you know whenever they play missouri when they play vanderbilt um those are not the upper echelon 
SEC schools. And, you know, if you want to call Auburn, you know, a, a blue blood of the SEC, I would. The excitement's going to be there just because of the caliber of team that you're playing so much. Or I think that has more weight than a rivalry that dates back to the 1980s. The rivalry in modern-day times, bigger rivalry is going to be that Auburn-LSU. But now I think you could swap them out and be perfectly fine either way. You you because if you want to sit there and go, well, the rivalry you know kind of died off when they stopped playing them every year. Okay, well then you renew the rivalry, you know. And so I get that, um, but you do lose what you have with the Auburn LSU, which has been some just insanely classic games dating back to like 1988. Uh, I mean, that's one of the things that they've talked about with. Auburn LSU is that rivalry and just how crazy things happen. The earthquake game in in 88, the the barn burning in 96, the interception game in 94, uh Les Miles eating grass and beating Auburn on the last second when uh you know Auburn with some last second wins. Those those are the, the a rivalry that is, you know, widely talked about right now and not Auburn sure. Florida. I mean, I I think that Auburn should probably want LSU more, I guess, when, when we hear all this. But I still go back to I think what ultimately will happen is the SEC will break this up. And I think ultimately they will give Auburn one of those lower half teams. We're going to have a show at some point once the basketball season ends, hopefully before they announce the new rotations, uh, where we go through all the teams and what all the teams should want, what we think all the teams will ultimately get. It's going to take a whole show, but damn it, I want to do it. Vandy wants out of the SEC. Yeah, v- Vandy wants East Tennessee State and Tennessee, <laughs> Tennessee Chattanooga. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 we're going to do it at length at some point, but we're obviously going to continue to discuss this Auburn angle throughout. And I personally, look, this is going to be unpopular, but I'm not going to be a populist. I'm going to say what I feel. Do and I, I want Auburn to play one someone lesser. I, I, I do not want the LSU or Give Florida Give us Van D. Uh, because sure. I think the schedule is already going to be difficult enough when yeah. you have – by the way, <laughs> the reason we're doing this is because Oklahoma and Texas are entering the SEC, uh, two of the top six or seven programs in the history of college football. Yeah. So uh, you can make fun of what Texas and Oklahoma – or not really Oklahoma, but what Texas has been the last decade, at some point they're going to figure it out. Uh, history says they will, so I believe they will. Uh, and, and that every other year combined with Oklahoma, there is no telling. If you, you could have a schedule, listen to this, you could have a schedule in nine games where you have Alabama, you have Georgia, you have LSU, maybe you rotated to Florida that year, Maybe you have Oklahoma and Texas in the same year. Maybe you have Tennessee. Maybe you have Texas A&M. That's eight games I'm already deceased at that point. That is a very, very, very big murderer's row of programs that either are incredibly successful in the past, incredibly successful now, incredibly rich, or all the above. And so I'm just saying if you have a game where you're guaranteed to play someone that is generally lesser than you, I don't think that's going to hurt. I don't think you're going to have a year where you're just like, oh, there's no big matchups. 
Uh, it's the SEC. There's always, always, always going to be big, big matchups. Match yeah. So I think Auburn can tolerate. Now, I'm not saying I want Vandy. I don't want to go all the way to the extreme. But I've kind of alluded to it. Ferg said it. That Mississippi State thing feels right to me on balancing the schedule with some common sense. Again, South Carolina's on that level, but that doesn't make sense to me. At least they played Mississippi State. Geographically, it's very responsible. You're not, you're not going out to Missouri or Arkansas, although Auburn's been playing Arkansas every year for a long time. You're not going out there. You're state by state. Uh, you got you get think about it. You have one team you play in state. That's Alabama every year. You go over east to Georgia every year for the the Bulldogs, and you go west for Mississippi State every year. I think that that's how I would do it to balance up the difficulty. That is not me saying Mississippi State's a, a bigger rival. It certainly is not, but it is at least something that would make more sense than Vandy or South Carolina or some of the other ways well, that, ge geographically. That, yeah, that you that you would balance the schedule out. Uh, and some of these other options. Again, topic we will continue to talk at length about uh, in the next few weeks, probably next few months. And again, Greg Sankey has kind of been on record here saying that he would like to decide on that before the spring meetings, which I think take place in May down at the beach. So sometime in April is probably when we're going to learn about this. Therefore, we need to do the full show about it at some point before then. We need to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, want to hit on this Pac-12 TV news. Not all the way news yet, but just rumored talks between the Pac-12 and a new company to broadcast their games. We'll tell you about that and more next. Don't want to call into the show? Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call today. Ryan Brooks and Tom with you here. Brooks uh, playing a little air instrumental right here. Always enjoy. Just uh, We always talk about putting some sort of camera in the studio or GoPro or something. And uh, bringing us back from commercials, Brooks' reaction to the music is one of the things that I think a lot of people would enjoy. Um, just everything you react to man it's another episode of rc and the captain yeah uh and look i've got something else to uh give the listener to now our uh, our good friend our general manager brooke myers uh put this in to the system we were talking about uh prop bets for the super bowl a couple weeks back and we started talking about a little national anthem and uh, Brooke uh, recorded a, a little part of it, a little five seconds that she liked. Wanted to play that real quickly here. For the land oh, of no. the free. Oh, that's sorry. beautiful. A little five-second clip there of uh, Brooke's oh. doing some national anthem singing there. Mm. Uh, if you missed that a few weeks ago, uh, cool. when we were doing the prop bet for the for how long, uh, how long the anthem would be, which ended up being like two minutes, by the way, but. Uh, 
Only about four or five seconds there, Brooks's. But I, I would tell you what, I would have listened to two minutes worth of it the way that was going. I I feel like my ears are bleeding. Right Want that now. one more time? No, 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 okay, no, okay, no, nope. No, all right, no, all right. Just make sure. Oh gosh. Uh, well, we'll move on then. I, uh, I'd rather you hit that fart button over there. Than <laughs> we have. All right. Well, not going to do that. <laughs> it either, would sound so. a lot better. Well, we'll. <laughs> wow. Okay. I thought you sound great, Brooks. Um, relatively speaking, of course. So I know. what I would have done. I wasn't great. <laughs> so let's move along here. Uh, tease this news before the break. And it's pretty fascinating, in my opinion. Not that normal Pac-12 things are very fascinating. They're not. How dare you? Pac-12 After Dark is, in, is, is a national establishment. Fine. Okay. 1030 Cal, Oregon State. That's right. Being drunk is, is, is entertaining at times. But news from Andrew Marchand uh, this afternoon that Apple has emerged as a potential landing spot for the Pac-12's new TV rights deal. Well, you put two together that Apple is not a channel. <laughs> it is a, they got Apple TV and all that, but it is streaming. And so that Pac-12 is considering a deal to go streaming only for their next TV rights package. And that is causing a stir, to say the least. Yeah, uh, this will work out well. Uh, <laughs> former Auburn beat writer James Crapia, who now covers Oregon, uh, wants Oregon to flat out get to the SEC, or not get to the SEC, but get out of the Pac-12. He just wants them to get away right now. Uh, Brandon Marcello, great friend of the program, also noted former Auburn beat writer, uh, notes that it would be quite the risk, uh, to say the least, about this deal. And it kind of underscores the mounting momentum in the sports world that these TV rights packages are so lucrative that not only do just the TV networks want in on them, but all these streaming services and all these different types of providers. We just got through the signing of a new NFL Sunday ticket package with YouTube TV. That was something that Apple and Amazon uh, were in on. They were trying to get. We know that NFL has moved a Thursday night game to Amazon each week. And these streamers are becoming a bigger player. So this is interesting because you would not be able, again, just spelling it out for everybody, you wouldn't be able to watch anything Pac-12 versus Pac-12 on cable, on YouTube TV, on DirecTV, on any of that. You would have to go and stream through Apple TV Plus or whatever they're streaming service would be at that time that's the only way you'd be able to watch the pac-12 right. now people in this part of the country may not care less i mean i mean it might not be a big deal but for totality of college athletics and sports that's still a major conference threatening to do that and oh by the way there's also the reporting from andrew marchan in that article that suggests that that might be not enough to keep the Pac-12 schools in the Pac-12. They may not get enough out of that deal. They might still search for other opportunities. If the Pac-12 bleeds any other customers, they've already lost USC and UCLA, if they lose an Oregon or a Washington or the Arizona schools, they're in big trouble as a conference. I, I think the solution could be to try and cannibalize the Mountain West, try and take Boise State, try and take San Diego State, whatever 
other worthwhile program you can find out of there. But if you don't act quickly, if you don't get make enough in this new TV deal, it might be the other way around. Yeah. The Mountain West, the, the Oregon and, and all that might flee to the Big Ten or some other conference. And then the Mountain West might take the leftovers from the Pac-12. It's not impossible. So when you hear all this, uh, is this a risk worth taking if you're the Pac-12? When you have, let's say, 2.30, or 2.30 Saturday afternoon comes along, You've got SEC sitting there on big ESPN. You've got the Big Ten having their primetime, you know, big game on CBS. You've got the Big 12, who's probably on another ESPN channel. You've got, you know, the the ACC picking up another ESPN channel. And, you know, you've got ranked UCLA versus ranked Oregon on Apple TV. What's getting left out? Yep. What what is getting left out? Probably USC, UCLA, and Oregon because you're having a flip between. If I can, if I'm sitting there, even if I do have streaming, well, well by the way, not even UCLA because they'll be in the Big Ten. Oh, that's true. So Oregon, Oregon and versus, Stanford, yeah. Or something. Um, even if I even let's let's go to the let's just go to I have streaming, but I've got like YouTube TV, which is not Apple TV. It's not connected. I'm still flipping through the remote. I have to X out of that app, go into another app, wait for that app to load. And then find that game on the Apple TV Plus app, and you know maybe it's it may even be like the uh, MLS season passes where you could have Apple TV, but you still have to pay for the Pac-12. MLS uh, is going to you know they're all of their local broadcasts, local broadcast in air quotes now, are on Apple TV Plus, but you have to pay even if you pay for Apple TV Plus, you have to pay on top of that to get the MLS games. It could go that way. You could have you could pay for Apple TV Plus. But then you've got to pay on top of that for Pac-12. So why would I I'm, – I'm just going to go back and flip through the other three games because guess what? Nine times out of ten, the Pac-12 is going to get left out of the playoff anyway if it, was, if it stayed a four-team. I know we're expanding to 12, but like if we were staying at a four-team, they're going to get left out of the playoff anyway because of the Big Ten, the SEC, and the ACC, and you know the Big 12. And so why, why bother? Why, why do I bother in paying that, that extra money to go watch the Pac-12 when I can just flip between the same, you know, four, the other four conferences and be very, very happy with what I'm watching? Tom, what do you think about the Pac-12 and, and potential deal with Apple? I think it's stupid. Um, <laughs> yeah, around here, people are – so around here, people are not going to pay that type of script to watch pac 12 no it's enjoyable to watch you know the craziness of pac 12 when all the other games that we've been watching all day are off and you've still clinging to your last few games and you know you're watching washington state against arizona state like nobody gives someone a, just threw a fifth interception yeah no and, nobody yeah. nobody gives an absolute crap about it however it's still football on you're going to be taking that away and i think that goes for uh, the southeast, the northeast doesn't care anyway because they're waiting for. They're not day. big on culture, they, right? Anymore. They're waiting for the NFL to start. But uh, you know the southeast. But even when you get into the Midwest, you know they're not going to care about that. They, you're really, uh, I think, by doing that, you would really be closing off a very large portion of of a football fan base by doing that because they're just not going to get on board with that. And so, uh, I I think that. I think that's a very dangerous thing to do if you're the Pac-12 because I, I think you end up ultimately losing your butts off on that. They everybody's talked about 
uh, viewership going down in college football over the years anyway. Or, or I'm sorry, going up. I, bleh, viewership going up. They've been talking right. about viewership going up and, you know, concerned about tickets and, and things like that. But, you know, you're really going to knock that down. If you try to go to a streaming service, uh, I, I just I don't see how that work. I don't see how that works out or how that plays out or why that's even thought of as a good idea. If you're the Pac-12, you've already made the decision with your Pac-12 network to have it very such to have it such a limited audience. The SEC when they launched the SEC network after it was a re, you know a full regional network when they launched it with the partnership with ESPN it went national immediately. You could watch the SEC network in Boise, Idaho. You if if you you know if, if it's in your cable package you can watch it. The Pac-12 network we experienced it as you know all our fans experienced it this year. You had to hunt for that thing. It, it, maybe your your cable provider didn't even have it, and you had to you had to find a way to watch Auburn and USC and uh and or Auburn in Washington a couple you know right. back in uh, November December. So what I think the root cause here uh, of what's happening in the Pac-12, and I know this is going to have how this is going to sound to people that don't like the SEC, but I don't care. This I don't is think a lot of them. Are this is Pac. This is Pac-12 arrogance. This is thinking that the Pac-12 matters more than it does. The Conference of Champions. You, you thought that people would go out of their way just to get the Pac-12 network so they could get your content. You're not correct. People have not really done that. You think that your conference can be the bell cow of some of the top schools in the country. You are not correct. USC and UCLA want to leave you. You think that if you go to a streaming service that people are going to actually start paying more money to watch you? No. No, they won't. No. You'll struggle to keep what you have, and you certainly will not add. Right. This, is a, this would be a monumental mistake. This could kill their conference if they actually do this. Now, I, I don't think it would be wrong 10 or 15 years down the line to think that we will be even way heavier streaming some of these sports than we are now. Okay, I, I think everything will trend that way eventually. It just You read between the lines of all these network layoffs and, and all these things that are happening, everyone, even ESPN, prioritizing some of their streaming content. I think if you read between the lines, we are heading that direction in a decade or two. But for the Pac-12 to think they're going to be the ones to lead the way, they are very high and mighty for the product that they have. They are the fifth most cared about conference in the country. Because when you break this out, okay, the success of the Big Ten, some of the great programs there, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, etc. Obviously, the SEC is self-explanatory. The ACC might be down in football, has a couple of the most historic basketball programs of all time, still in a region of the country for the most part, not really Syracuse or Pittsburgh, but mostly a region of the country that cares immensely about college athletics. And then in the Big 12, although they are losing Oklahoma and Texas, we're very quick to get four new schools, some of the best up-and-coming schools, schools that care. UCF cares a lot. Cincinnati cares. In Ohio, they care a lot. BYU, pretty historic program for what they are. They, they care. The Big 12 at least has fan bases that are very passionate, even once Oklahoma and Texas leave. Passionate fan bases, at least some history there. What's the Pac-12 going to have? They've got a bunch of schools in a part of the country that is not as college-heavy 
not as into college athletics or way more about professional sports. That's part of the problem with USC and UCLA is LA does not give a rip about them compared to the professional sports there. Hell, they like the Clippers more than they like some of USC's and UCLA stuff. But yet, that's the conference that thinks they can be different than everyone else. That's why that doesn't add up. They would be, they could, and again, that's why some beat writers, like I said, James Crape, you a beat writer for Oregon now, is saying, Oregon, get out of the Pac-12. You know what's going to happen, Pac-12, if Oregon leaves you? If Washington, who's in the Seattle area, leaves you? The rest of the conference is going to leave you. What, you going to go get Cal Poly out of the <laughs> FCS? You're, you're going to save yourself with San Jose State? Like, with, with all due respect, this is a Pac-12 that does not understand what it is. It has not understood what it is for a long time. And it is now in danger of getting left behind. The Conference of Champions won't have any champions if they don't exist. And that's kind of what they're on their way to doing. We're going to take our final break of the show today. When we come back, Nightly TV Guy, and we'll send you home on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back. Final segment of the show today. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy. Just had a lengthy discussion there on the Pac-12. And uh, if you missed that, go back and check it out in the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Only a minute or two left in the show today. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. All right, Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what do we got? Yeah, for your movie pick tonight, we're going to give you one movie pick. 6.15 on TNT at Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Arguably the best movie in the Star Wars franchise. Like I said, 6.15 TNT. Elsewhere around the sports world, starting off at 6 o'clock on ESPN, Tennessee visits Texas A&M in an SEC clash down at Reed Arena in College Station, Texas. Big implications in the SEC there. Also 6 o'clock, ESPN 2. Number 9, Baylor visits number 14, Kansas State. Then 6 o'clock on ESPN, Miami visits Virginia Tech. 7.30, FS1 tonight, Creighton visit or hosts Marquette. 8 o'clock on ESPN, Indiana visits Michigan State, and then ESPN2 Texas Tech visits Oklahoma. Night filled of college basketball, and of course, coming up here in just a few minutes over on YouTube, the Rocket City Trash Panda's YouTube channel. It is Auburn and North Alabama in some college baseball on a Tuesday night. That's a look at your nightly TV guide brought to you by our friends 
at White Claw. Very nice that they're doing it through their YouTube channel. I didn't know how it was being broadcast to YouTube, but Trash Panda, Sunny. I mean, they got Sunny to share us, so they do. They're all in there on the Auburn game. Brooks, thank you for the TV guy, and thank uh, you for being here today. Yes, sir. And Tom, thank you for being here today as well. We'll see you tomorrow. Absolutely. We thank Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us on the program as well. And as always, we thank all of you who tuned in and called into today's sports call for Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy. My name is Ryan Lavoy. Enjoy Auburn baseball tonight, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.